Hello, my name is Adam. Hi, my name is Bridget. And, and we've, we've never, never seen, seen Raging Bull. Raging Bull. Oh, that was fast. That's all right. <laughs> it, we were never going to line it up 100%. I, I had faith. <laughs> you want to try it again? No. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fine All Watches. My name is Johnny, and have you heard up top? I am joined by Adam and Bridget. And if we sound all a little different because we are not all in the same room tonight, no. Uh, we are keeping it safe. Someone we know that we love close and near and dear has COVID. So we are being safe and going right back to, God, guys, what has it been months, year since we've done a remote one? Yeah, probably February or March of this year, maybe, to be. Was last Christmas, did we? I think last Christmas we did go back into. Okay, yeah. So we had a little bit of a scare or whatever the case may was. But yeah. um, so tonight we are going to take a look at uh, some of our favorite movies. And one we're looking at tonight is Raging Bull. One of my favorites. These guys have not seen Raging Bull, uh, 1980 boxing film directed by Mars Gorsese. Guys, welcome. Thank Hello. You. So. I'm going to actually start with Bridget because we both love Goodfellas and there's a lot of key players and elements that are in this movie that are in Goodfellas. So Bridget, I know you're aware of this one. I think you're pretty familiar with who's in it and who obviously I said who's directing it. Um, How have you missed this one? I don't know. I just... I think we've established over the past two years recording that I'm very much a creature of habit and I can at times be like, if I find something I like, like I'm not trying new things at a restaurant sort of person. <laughs> so, sure. like, like if I find a delicacy like Goodfellas or casino, I'm not always going to go looking for more. I have seen the majority of Scorsese's filmography, though, you know, Taxi Driver, Age of Innocence, The Aviator, The Departed. I just this movie never got as much play. I like I don't know. I just didn't have access to it during the time that I was a more of a completist, I guess. And then time went by and like you get to you're like, I guess I've, I've probably seen that movie. Like, I, I probably get what that movie's about, which is right. terrible. We've um, all seen movies by osmosis. We've covered this a million times. You see enough things, you might as well you've have seen, seen Like, it. I've seen it through The Simpsons kind, yeah. of, kind of thing. And then it gets to a point where you're like, I'm afraid to rectify it. Like, I can't <laughs> like, we've, we've let it go on for too long. So I that's that's my only, that's my excuse. That's the, the note I'm giving to get out of class. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm glad that we're remedying the situation this evening because I do, you know, I love Goodfellas and Casino in particular. I'm very excited to see two of the the stars come back, work together. So, but 
I know that this is based on a true story. Yes. And one other element that I don't want to, that I think I know that I don't want to give away until Adam shares. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys. This is the first time we've done a Scorsese film, right? I think it is. It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, I was just scrolling through the, the IMDb and I was like, yeah, nothing's really, uh, nothing's jumping out. I am a Scorsese uh, fan, I guess. I, I don't like run out to see everything just because it's him. I'm definitely not a completionist uh, for someone with a very, very long filmography. So there's no way that I'm going to get to every single thing on this list. I've seen a lot of the big ones. I've seen Taxi Driver. I've seen uh, The Color of Money. I've seen Goodfellas. I've seen what's the some of the newer ones like The Departed. Uh, I saw the one episode of Boardwalk Empire he directed. I saw Hugo, <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. I didn't see Silence. That was the Andrew Garfield I'm a priest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see that one. I saw The Irishman. But that's <laughs> that's the Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield I'm a priest. I'm a priest. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> that's what that one is. Um, so I've seen, you know, I've seen the hits. I haven't seen Casino. I haven't seen this. Um, so I feel like those are the, probably the two biggest omissions. The Aviators, another one, Gangs of New York. So there's, while there's a, a huge swath of his work that I have seen and enjoyed, like all of those things I listed, I'm fairly certain I enjoyed them. Um, I'd have to go back to the list again to pull out ones that I didn't. But everything on there, I'm pretty sure. I really enjoyed. I know it's probably not the right answer, but I still think out of the ones that I've seen, my favorite is The Departed, just because I think it has everything that I want in a movie, which is uh, Boston accents. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, I think I went more towards that. I think it came out right at the right time where I was really starting to jump into like seeing a lot of movies. It was like, you know, right when I got to college, you meet new people who have new movie tastes and stuff. And that one just hit like right at the right time for me. So that's probably my favorite Scorsese. Uh, But because I'm not a completionist and because I'm not someone who's going to chase down all of his work, I just never went to go see this. I don't really care about boxing. So that didn't hook me. I like De Niro, but again, I'm not a guy who's like, I got to go see the new De Niro. And at the point, I probably would have seen it. De Niro was onto his comedy stuff. And honestly, I really kind of like De Niro in comedies. He's really funny. Uh, so yeah, I just never, uh, never got around to, to seeing this, but I know it's, I know it's huge. I know it's big. I only know it's about boxing and it's Jake LaMotta, right? Is that his name? Correct. Okay. And that's, that's it. I don't know a single other thing about this other than boxing, Scorsese, De Niro, Jake LaMotta. Like that's, that's it. Got it. Now this, Johnny, how is this, how is this movie for you? Where does this kind of stack? I know you're a big Scorsese guy. So what's like, what are some of your favorites of his? And where does this, like, is this obviously one that you're bringing for a favorites episode? So I think I know, but. Right. Um, yeah, this one I caught late in my life against the other movies. So we saw Goodfellas really early on, too early on, as we talked about on this show a few times. <laughs> Yeah, so all the ones you listed, thoroughly enjoyed. I haven't really seen one where I'm like, I don't, like, I would never revisit again. I think most of them, I find something of value that I want to revisit at some point or another. 
you mentioned silence. I've seen it once, maybe I've seen it twice, maybe this so far, but that's maybe one where I just I can go like maybe five or six years and not see that, and then I'll like I'll go back and see it again. I think some of the other ones, if it pops in my head like after two years of not seeing, it, I'll be like, yeah, I want it. Like it's time to like rewatch that one again because I just like the flavor of movies. I like the dialogue. I like the characters. I like uh, it, a lot of the technical elements are very fun and whimsical, and he gets very creative with some of the shots, particularly you know in Casino and in Goodfellas, where it's just these. The camera just gets really excited, you know, in the third act, particularly like in Goodfellas, where uh, um, Ray Liotta's character is just hopped up on cocaine. And it just there's there's a lot of fun technical parts to his movies that I enjoy. But, yeah, The Departed's great. Really enjoyed like Shutter Island and, you know, the other ones like, you know, there's like The Age of Innocence, Color of Money. What's the other one he did where Nicolas Cage is a paramedic? I can't coming out dead or something out i forget what the, the name is i enjoyed the cape fear remake that he did that was a lot oh, of fun so good. um i think i enjoyed this one a lot i don't want to get too critical on it but like this is when people talk about like oh this is the powerhouse performance of this person's career or whatever people talk about daniel day lewis there'll be blood or with this one rob de niro it's this one like i think most people will go back to this one as his best performance because he carries so much in this movie now Bridget to your point I don't know why this hasn't gotten so much of a mainstay I'm willing to bet the fact that it is black and white which I don't know if you guys knew that it is black and white it was actually shot in color and I think they decided to sort of mute the the colors after the fact because I think there were other boxing movies like Rocky and other things in that time period that they wanted to get away from they just want like another boxing movie they wanted it to have a starker uh, appearance but yeah, it's it's it has all of the elements that you expect, and it and without getting too much into it, it, it there's a big bigger crime element to this movie that I think that's where Scorsese thrives in the crime world, or at least movies that brush up against it, and we get a lot of that here, particularly because it precedes Goodfellas, Casino, that we get like what we see is the beginnings of great act relations on screen particularly between uh, Robert De Niro and um, Joe Pesci. Nice. Uh, Bringing Out the Dead was the movie you were trying to Bringing Out the Dead, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no worries. Just wanted to throw it out there. Anyone yelling at at their headphones, it's Bringing Out the Dead, Johnny. That's Bringing Out the Dead. Uh, Yeah, it's a maniac, (laughs) yeah. But as far as, so, I mean, Robert De Niro is the main character of this movie. What are some of your guys' favorites, De Niro's? Because what have we seen so far with him? Have we seen, have you, oh, we saw Heat. I think that was the Mm -hmm. one, right? Yeah, yeah. So we talked a little bit about it in Heat. Right. But, um, but like, Bridget, what would you say is, like, you know, top three or what, what are some of the ones that come right to your head immediately when you think of uh, maybe outside of Goodfellas? You you brought up Cape Fear, which I love him in because it's feels like even when he's in a crime movie, he's usually, you know, the character of Jimmy in Goodfellas is very controlled. Same with his character. Yeah, very reserved. Yeah. Casino, like very just subdued danger and so it's fun to see him be off the wall a little bit and unrestrained and psychotic and doing a cajun accent (laughs) Um, (laughs) like just spicy and fun goodfellas i really love of course 
again, this is like a recency bias, but I watched rewatched The Godfather Part Two, and there's a scene I always think of of him looking on at little baby Fredo, like who has like croup, and they're putting like the match with the glass over him, and he just looks so concerned. And I always think <laughs> I like that shot. I love that shot of Robert De Niro. So those those are my top three off the top of my head. Got it. Now, Adam, you said you're more of the you like more of the comedic flair, like Meet the Parents and other things that he's done recently. Yeah, I love I love Meet the Parents. I mean, that was that like came out of nowhere for me. Like I know he had already done like analyze this and that like right around the same time. Uh, yeah, those are really funny too. <laughs> but I haven't seen either of those, so that's those those are ones I do have to see because I have heard good things at least about this. I don't I think that was the sequel and that one didn't do as well. But Meet the Parents, and the, the sequels are okay. Diminishing Returns, obviously. I think just the novelty of seeing this guy who I'd only ever really seen be a tough guy or seen in, like, Godfather 2 was like, oh, my God, he's, like, really funny. And he's playing against Ben Stiller is really funny. Like, this movie shouldn't necessarily work, but it really does. And I like that he kept going out there. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of his choices of doing, like, Bad Grandpa or whatever that movie was. <laughs> but, like, going and doing these things that are against what Robert De Niro would have been typecast as was, like, a fun like, career resurgence for him in the, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. But I also, like, I think I like more of his, you know, lesser known things. Like, I, I like Taxi Driver. I've only seen it, like, once or twice, maybe. So I don't really remember a ton of it. But I remember really liking him in it. But I love him as Al Capone in The Untouchables, mostly because I just really love The mm. Untouchables movie. That one's quite a lot of fun. Uh, and then a really, like, I know it's not necessarily a good movie, but it's one of those, like, guilty pleasures. I watched it a ton. I think I saw it in theaters. And I watched it a ton on, like, the movie channels and, like, Comedy Central or TNT or whatever it would have come to. And that's Showtime with Eddie Murphy. Have you guys ever seen Showtime with no, Eddie No, I've not seen that one, no. It is, uh, I think, like, Robert De Niro's a cop and Eddie Murphy's a, an actor and they get thrown on a show together and, like, they don't mix and it shouldn't work. It's Eddie Murphy during his worst period of his career. Like, I think it's around the same time as, like, a Pluto Nash and it's, like, 2001, 2002. And Eddie, do I, care? <laughs> yeah, it's, like, that era of Eddie Murphy where nobody's, like, mm, dude, you're not really hitting the the highs anymore these are all kind of like middling to low <laughs> but for whatever reason like i think it probably just hit me at the right time being you know 14 15 and it was fun i like again i like seeing robert De Niro do some comedy stuff and the two of them playing off each other while nobody would say it's their best roles it's something about it kind of works and so I, I have a lot of fun with that one too that's just kind of like a a soft spot for me kind of thing even though i know it's Probably something they they don't look back fondly on, <laughs> or maybe enjoy <laughs> doing. Uh, but there's some pretty good there's some pretty good gags in there that I really enjoy. So uh, those are probably my top three, and I know there almost certainly be nobody else's top three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. That. I could say that with 100 percent certainty. I'm fairly certain, unless you're gonna agree with me 100 percent, Johnny. What are your what are your top three De Niro's? This is definitely up there. Goodfellas is great. I again, I I do I you I do like the Meet the Parents stuff. I like the fact that they took like this Mean Streets guy who's basically usually kicking the shit out of someone, and he's like the dad. It's like perfect casting. It's fucking hilarious. 
But it also is inherently funny to me because I find that a lot of the stuff like Goodfellas and Casino and this as well are like I see them as like black comedies where others may just see it as dramas. I find the comedic element in this. I think the dialogue is fucking great in Goodfellas, like where they're trying to figure out what like the name of, of the foot of a deer is. And he's like a hoof like that thing. That shit's hilarious yeah. to me. So if you find like that stuff funny, like you're gonna walk away thinking this is one of like not again, I'm not about to assume anything, but you may walk away saying this is one of the more surprising comedies you've seen in a while. Okay. Because just because the way this movie positions itself is a very bleak boxing movie with the poster of a very serious looking Robert De Niro, when I think you'll find a lot of the dialogue in this is just like rip you to shreds funny at some points. But again, I do like Cape Fear quite a bit. I think if I maybe either didn't mention it or Bridget didn't mention it or whatever, I wouldn't even thought to think of that because it's just such a small part in his career. But it's such a scene to a B type of movie that it's just so off the rails where, yeah, it goes completely against what he's typecast as, which is like this like well put together reserved guy in a suit running something, doing numbers, uh, holding other maniacs together from not killing people. Like yeah. he's the guy, he's the, he's the control in the room where Cape Fear and and as you'll see in this one, uh, the opposite. So I yeah, I would say like those are like my top three, but I do enjoy some of like the one offs. Like I enjoyed, I know it was like on TNT forever and it's kind of cheesy and whatever, but I always enjoyed watching Men of Honor where he's like the guy who's mm -hmm. training all the scuba guys with the Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm -hmm. I always enjoyed that one. And there's some other like one-offs that I've enjoyed. I, again, I I enjoyed the Irishman. I think he's completely miscast for most of the movie until like the third act, where he just really just kills it as an old person because that's what he is. Yeah, um, old man Robert De Niro nails acting as old man. As old, exactly. So good job. Although to Robert. be fair, going back to your some of these are you know black comedies. Watching old man Robert De Niro trying to kick any young person on the streets during the Irishman is like that is a ninety year old man doing some kicks. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I, that was when I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, this is what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, you got to be on board with what that movie wants to do, which is bring everybody back together for one last go, mm -hmm. and utilize de-aging technology as long as you're okay with that you can kind of ignore some of the more ridiculous elements of watching old people act like young people with young people faces but very old frail bodies yeah i'll never understand why they didn't just put his body like if they're gonna go the route of uh, digital effects and cgi just put his face on like a younger person's body then or right. use a body double or something like what Maybe it's amazing that they even saw that like in the frame, like in the camera or in the can. They're like, yeah, this is this works. <laughs> that's how that's how young men kicked back then. Yeah, you guys, were, you guys weren't around, but that's how young men, <laughs> all young men kicked like that in the 50s. Right. Yeah, there were like severe nutritional deficiencies, so mm -hmm. no one could kick with the amount of strength that they can today. Yeah, everything was boiled. It just, you know, it didn't work out. Right. They, they didn't have the vitamin structure we have now. Well, if that old man kicking taste is still in your mouth, I think it's going to be cleansed pretty easily with this one because he is incredibly fit in this one and inc incredibly athletic, and he does a lot of the boxing in it. So you're not going to see any of that tonight. Who else do you guys know that's in this? I know I mentioned Joe Pesci, but do you know anyone else who's in this movie? I didn't know. I didn't even know Joe Pesci. 
before you said it. I knew this oh, was okay. a Robert De Niro vehicle. No idea Pesci was in it. Yeah, so Pesci's in it, um, and I think you'll see some other familiar faces from his other movies too, which is is nice. Now, as far as I know, Adam, you said you don't really like boxing. Have you enjoyed any boxing movies like The Fighter, Cinderella Man, Million Dollar Baby? Do those movies do anything for you? I've only of the ones you just listed. I've only seen The Fighter, and I did really like that. I. It's not that I don't like boxing. It's just it's not something that's going to get me in to go see it. So, like, I didn't see Ali. I didn't see uh, the Hurricane Carter one from, like, Mm. the late 90s. Any of the others you just mentioned. I saw The Fighter. Really enjoyed The Fighter. That's a really good movie. uh, Again, Boston adjacent accents. (laughs) Exactly. It has what I need. Boston accents. Um, Fuck you, Charlene. (laughs) And sprail Kristen Bale. That's what I need in my movies is a body transformation by Christian Bale, a Boston accent, uh, or like Robert De Niro. That's what I need to get me in. So, yeah, it's not one that I like weep out to go see, but I have no problem. Like, because at at its heart, usually they're just sports movies, which we've talked about a bunch with baseball movies and different things. And I love going to see a, a sports movie. But if it's not a sport I'm already super into I need like a push to go. Like I need someone to be like, dude, you want to come see this boxing movie with me? Okay. Yeah, I'll go. It sounds like fun. I'm never going to be like, you know what I want to watch tonight? A boxing movie. So uh, it even took me a really long time to see any of the Rockies. Like I didn't see any of the Rockies until maybe six, seven years ago, probably when Creed came out because I was going back and be like, you know what? I've never seen a Rocky movie. I should probably do that. (laughs) I've seen a few more, like at, like any boxing movie that was released between 2000 and 2010, I saw it with my father. Like Million Dollar Baby in particular, like we went to see it multiple times in the theater. Like we, oh my, God. my father, Brendan and I were like rocked by that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I enjoy them, Cinderella Man, like. There's a certain kind of boxing movie that is actually like about, I will say fatherhood in particular. It seems to always be a theme and like family. So you see that running through The Fighter, Cinderella Man, Million Dollar Baby, The Quiet Man with John Wayne is excellent. Like I would put that up as my favorite like boxing Irish person Mm. movie. Irish person movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so... I'm there usually for that dynamic more than the sports element. Got it. I just have a feeling this is almost more of like a showbiz movie, if that makes sense. Okay. I feel like we're going to get shades of like a star is born. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's more of that partly because it is, you know, it's a true story. And Mm. I think, Scorsese is much more comfortable in the sort of tragic realm. Yeah, for me, boxing movies, I've enjoyed most of them that I've seen. I think the element that I do like about boxing movies against other sports movies is that it is a sport that is completely reliant on one person. It's a one-person team. So I think you find a lot of these stories are about obsessive characters, about their physicality, uh, how they fight, how they per- how they're perceived in the ring, how they look, 
Um, again, like you said, even the showbiz aspect, how they are outside of the ring. I think there's, as you know, with the sports team with people around you, you're greatly influenced on how you play the sport and whatever by others were here. It's like you may have someone trying to t- teach you or tell you how to fight. But I think what I enjoyed about those mo- these movies is that it's usually very dark in nature. And these people have a lot of like baggage, if you will, to unpack. So I've always enjoyed the sort of like dramatic psychological edge to boxing movies and sort of what happens outside of the ring. The stuff inside the ring is always fun to watch, but you just, you know, what you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, just uh, interesting ways to shoot, I suppose, a, a boxing fight without people getting actually hurt because they're actors. But I think it's, it's movies like the boxing movies that um, really thrive outside the ring. And I think you're going to find a lot here. That's a lot different than like the fighter and other ones, but Again, still very much about obsessive personalities. Cool. Now, just real quick, um, any expectations going in? I mean, Scorsese, there's a lot of pedigree going on. Are you guys trying to keep your expectations low? Are they pretty high? Where are they at? I mean, for me, uh, I want to keep them kind of low because that obviously makes for a better viewing experience. But that's impossible with a movie like this, like the name itself carries so much weight for the reasons that I assume, which is that everybody universally loves it. I honestly don't think I've ever heard anybody say any bad thing about it. Like, I don't think I've ever heard a person be like, oh, I fucking hate Raging Bull. Everybody loves that movie. It <laughs> fucking sucks. It's always like, Raging Bull, that's my favorite movie. So... Uh, it's kind of hard to go in with any kind of tempered expectations for me, at least. So I'm expecting something very good, something hopefully engaging. Uh, I think it is going to be a little more difficult because we are doing this remotely. So I don't have the, the diehard fan sitting three feet away from me. Uh, but I don't think it'll be that. I don't think it'll be hard. I think it'll just, uh, I'll have to make sure I get on the movie's wavelength and that there isn't something that irks me at the beginning that takes me out of it but i i'm anticipating it's going to be everything people chalk it up to be even if i don't love it i don't think i'll come away not liking it or even hating it but i'm trying i'm gonna try to keep my (laughs) my opinions low going in but it's it's hard (laughs) what about you um i i i'm expecting that i will probably enjoy it as i've enjoyed pretty much everything that our friend marty is put out there (laughs) yeah it's just it's sort of it's like a treat in a way of oh you you like this thing you like this other thing that has all these same ingredients but did you know here's a brand new recipe for you um so i'm i'm excited good yeah yeah i'm i'm just expecting to enjoy it as i always do well, good. Yeah. I mean, um, I have not seen this movie in uh, a little while, so I'm excited to watch it. Uh, I actually picked this up on tape a few months ago, so nice. have not spun it in that uh, that format. So I'm excited to see it on tape. But all right. So I guess we'll just go ahead and get into it, guys. What do you have to say for yourselves? Fine. I'll watch, I'll watch it. it.
All right, we are back. We just finished watching 1980s Raging Bull. Adam and Bridget were both in the hot seat for this one. Bridget, how are we feeling? I'm feeling good. It was a a slower movie than I anticipated. Okay. But not not a bad thing. It's a much more focused movie than a Goodfellas or a Casino, um, but still enjoyable. Yeah, um, it um, it's, oh, yeah. it's more artsy. Yes. Very artsy. Very artsy. Not just in the black and white either, although that makes it extra, extra artsy. <laughs> oh, of course. Adam, your hot take. Oh, yeah. I, I hope you're ready for the hottest of takes. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm ready for it. Lay it on me. All right, so remember how I said that the bar was obviously really high for a movie like this. Right. You know, you come in, you know the name, you know the actors, you know the director, everybody talks a big game. And I said, there's probably no way in which I'm going to be able to clear that high bar. But at the very least, even if I don't, I'll come away liking it unless there's something that takes me out of it or that I don't like about it, like in the beginning or whatever. Sure. Well, there was. And surprisingly enough, what took me out of this movie and got me to the point I am in, I'm at now was the boxing of all things in the boxing movie, because right. every single boxing scene in this movie is bad. I don't like the angles. I don't like the staging. All of the punches look like they completely missed the person. The sound effects they used for the punches landing and I particularly, like, the part that got me the most was when he's trying to get Joe Pesci to punch him. And then he starts punching him. You just kind of see half of De Niro's face. Whatever they were doing in that moment and whatever sound effects they were using were probably some of the worst fight choreography and sound effects I've <laughs> ever seen. And it really, really just killed the rest of the movie for me. I really dislike this movie. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, the choreography is not the strong suit of this movie whatsoever. No. Um, I, I think going in expecting a boxing movie, I expected better, and I got the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Uh, comparatively to other movies that I've seen, it's 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 very poor, if not, like you said, maybe it's not its suit. And if you're in it for the boxing, if you're looking for compelling fights, then you're kind of fucked with this mm -hmm. movie. I'll I'll say I liked the boxing scenes. They were okay. some of my favorite because they felt so artsy in a way and the the sound effects were off and like there was a lot of interesting things like the sound would drop out and you'd kind of hear everything in slow motion and I don't think it was a great representation of like what watching an actual boxing match is, but it felt like a great representation of what Jake is viscerally experiencing every time he's in the ring, like particularly the last Sugar Ray fight. Yeah, very, very good point. I think there's liberties that are taking artistically with the boxing. And to your point, there are really good editing choices here where all the sound drops out and you kind of hear what sounds like the crowd is underwater. And you have some of these interesting shots that are going on um, there's like interesting like 
I, like you hear like wild like jungle cats at certain oh places. yeah yeah, yeah there's like, like wild Row! jungle noises going on it's <laughs> like primal it's, screaming yeah it sounds like a bunch of sound effects yeah. kind of put into a blender and it's thunderous and disorienting and i think it's meant to look that way if you are there looking for punches to land as close to realism as possible you're going to be disappointed here i think I, mm-hmm. brian had a funny comment about the punches because he he had a little bit of the same experience i think that adam had although he's seen this movie before but he was saying the boxing matches feel so surreal and like not realistic like things don't connect and there's a bit of that like he was saying, like every Martin Scorsese movie, there's weird continuity errors that I that he can't help noticing. Which to me, I'm like, that's charming and fun and makes sense. But he's like, but every time he hits Vicky, <laughs> you believe, like, yes, that's a man hitting a woman. Oh yeah, it's like the the, <laughs> of course, the punches that like he wants you to like actually feel, really feel, like they mm-hmm. land, and it's like, my God, like it when he's beating Vicky in this movie, it's like those. His hand is hit is touching her face. Yeah. Yeah. That is um, the most realistic fight. When so, he when he knocks her out towards the end, like that is the most realistic punch in the whole movie. In a movie about a boxer. <laughs> right. Now there there are deliberate choices being made for the boxing sequences. Like they wanted to just make sure that one, it was shot like inside the ring, that you're getting POV of the fighter, that you were very much in the head of both of the fighters in the way that he didn't want shots from like the crowd looking at the fight. He wanted to be in the ring the entire time. So that's why it's very dreamlike and disorienting and very narrow field of vision. Cause you're kind of just, that's how a fighter looks. They're looking just at one thing and that's their opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine once the, the, the flurry of fists go that, your brain kind of just seizes regular function and it's kind of animalistic in nature and things get hazy and things look kind of wild, but it's not an excuse for again, where I think they could have been a little more um, on the point or on the, on the skin, if you will, like with some of the choreography and made it look a little more realistic, but when it counted, when they were punching and doing the slow motion, the blood was spurting out of eyebrows and things like that, like that, looked pretty gnarly i mean yeah there was definitely some some real gnarly blood throw (laughs) oh yeah the crowd ate some of that yeah yeah a lot of spurting a lot of uh the first three rows may get wet kind of (laughs) kind of warnings on some of the matches i just i think for me the biggest standout is maybe not so much the choices because i i agree it's smart to do that narrow field of vision it's smart to do the POV shots because that that's what you wanna you want us to get in the head of Jake and I I understand the artistic choice for that where I think it fails though is in the like rabbit punch reaction of the heads of the actors getting punched because there's a lot of like very clearly like spring loaded neck happening and it it makes it so that way the punches don't feel like they're landing because you're just you're it's like they're on you know like the the play the rock'em sock'ems yeah it's like well, your bigger cousin beating your ass in rock'em sock'em and he's got the one hand up and he's just punching you with the right and you can't <laughs> get your fucking hand in it's like boom 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 
it's very it could be feel very looney tuney if that's yeah. where you're heading with it. But again, I, I I tried to prepare you guys looks a little bit going into this that this movie is not necessarily about what happens in the ring. It's more or less what happens outside of the ring. And the fight, the mental fight that he has with his jealousy and just his narcissism and the ugliness. And he's just he's one of the most unsympathetic characters in a film I've ever seen. Like you just don't you just it's so hard to feel one bet a bit of bad about this guy. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. I was having a really <laughs> tough time watching a protagonist, essentially just making me want to turn a movie off. <laughs> yeah. And I think in most like other Scorsese movies, even though his movies are typically about like people who do bad things, bad people, like mm-hmm. usually you have like, the Henry Hills and you have the Billy Costigans and other people in other movies that, you know, they're embroiled in crime, but they have a, a, a bone of morality in their body and they have other things going on that make them, feel like a character you want to root for where this is just like it's tough it's kind of sometimes like when you watch like sopranos or other things it's like well like you stand back like wait why am i like caring about this person this is a a horrible human being that like cheats and kills people and steals but yeah he is just a fucking maniac you know what i what i think it is at least with especially with the characters that you named that are the main characters of other movies and Feel free if this isn't how you guys feel, but I feel like all those characters had charisma and Jake has no charisma. Correct. He has no charisma. Yeah. And that's where I think the line needs to be moved a little bit in his favor is that like even when we get to him being club owner, stand up comedian, he's fucking awful at that. At both hosting as nightclub owner and being a stand up for whatever being a stand up in the 50s was worth. But he has no charisma throughout this entire movie. It is either just, I want to get punched, I want to punch you, or I want to have sex with these children. Like, that is his whole, that is is his whole (laughs) dynamic throughout the whole movie. And I needed, like, I needed some charm. Like, a guy like this should have some charm, but he doesn't. And I just and I'm just like, give me something, man. Like, crack a joke, crack a smile. Don't just you, you go from from eighty to ninety instead of from zero to sixty. Like, you're you're already there, and then you just get angrier. But I never get to see a fun side of Jake. Like, we get to see no fun Jake at all in this. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends on your mileage of like gallows humor and like black comedy and shit like that. But him talking about like trying to eat his neighbor's dog and other things, like I. I laugh at that shit like that is like horrible behavior, but like that's like what you need to grasp on onto to enjoy his character in the slightest. Like is him like eating a sandwich trying to fix a television, asking his brother if he fucked his wife like that's I heard some funny. (laughs) That's funny to me. Like the whole that whole scene is hilarious to me. Some people may be like, this is just fucked up. Like I think there's an intention for a particular audience, which is me, to laugh at that scene. It's the only time that I feel a little bit of, I guess, sympathy for him is when he throws the fight and he's crying and he's like, get out! Like, <laughs> I, like I was like, oh, I get it. 
See, at that uh, point, I was so done with him. I was like, good. You deserve to cry. Uh, keep, keep crying, loser. Because, <laughs> Adam, you're like the, the moral backbone of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in that moment specifically, I think the problem that I had, at least, was we didn't get a lot of the struggle of him, you know, the, the mob connection going to him and trying to get him. They're, they only really talked to Joey, and they only really talked to Joey two or three times, maybe. And Joey's whole line is like, Jake won't do it. He's stubborn. He just wants to do this on his own. And they're like, yeah, we get that. But why don't you talk to him? He's like, okay, I'll talk to him. He doesn't talk to him. The next time it's like, yeah, why don't you talk to him? He's like, hey, he's not going to do it. He's he's stubborn. He's a hardhead. He's not going to do it, but I'll talk to him. Uh, and then the third time he's like, okay, this is what they want you to do. And he's like, ooh, you know, that's not me, but okay. You know, like we never get to see Jake wrestle with that. So even when he then decides to throw the fight, I'm like, okay, good. You suck. Like, I, that's just another thing you did that's awful. <laughs> he becomes so much more about his infatuation with his wife and his jealousy than he does, like, his career, which obviously hinders it later on in the movie. But I think that's where we end up catching up to that point where it's like he doesn't really care about the fight. He cares more about if his wife is sleeping with other people. Yeah, because we immediately get over the crying fit. It's like crying fit. I'm a big loser, and then smash cut to championship fight. <laughs> right. Thinking about the boxing, I was I was doing a little bit of light Wikipedia reading during the watch, and I thought it was interesting. You know, Scorsese had to be convinced to do this movie. De Niro reads Jake LaMotta's memoir, which is also called Raging Bull, I believe. Uh, while he's filming The Godfather Part Two, and he starts trying to work on Marty at that point, and Martin Scorsese, he's like, "I hate boxing. I hate sports. I'm not interested. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it." And then finally, he breaks down and just decides to do it because De Niro kind of has like a an intervention for him for the drug addiction, and he's like, "Let's just do this movie. It can be your swan song." And so I think it's interesting. He's throwing like all his filmmaker tricks out into the movie, but he's like very upfront. He's like, I don't care about boxing. There are mm -hmm. certain things that I find very visceral and interesting that I wanted to depict, like the bloody sponge and the blood dripping off of the ropes. But other than that, I didn't care. I mean, I don't it, care it, about it, boxing. It translates. It translates. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get that vibe from you, Marty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but my other favorite note that I read about the boxing is all of the Foley work was done by a specific team where they were like taking rotten fruit and vegetables and squishing them and smashing them. But they were like, this is the best work we've ever done. And they gave it to Marty and the production team and then destroyed it so it could never be used for another film. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Which may be for the best if you're yeah, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear that again. No. No, whatever that punch was, like the punching from, from Joey on to, to Jake in the in the apartment or whatever. Oh, it I might was... as well have been like a Looney Tunes like... Burp, burp, burp. Like, yeah, really, like a symbol. Yeah, was he hitting a bag of corn or something? <laughs> yeah, when I heard that, I was like, no, this doesn't even. This doesn't sound like punching. This doesn't sound like hitting. I don't hear scuffling in the room, and I just see De Niro's head just like 
doing a, a spring-loaded like jack-in-the-box maneuver. <laughs> like, okay, I guess he's punching him. I heard <laughs> on the camera, so fine. <laughs> All right, so we made we made great note about the boxing sequences, and we'll get to more of that uh, mm-hmm. uh, in a little bit. But as far as your immediate take on De Niro's demeanor, which I think is a fairly large departure from his usual uh, screen presence. What were you guys sort of thinking in the opening scenes, the kitchen, him talking with his wife, his brother, all that stuff? I mean, it's a definite, like if you are looking at the traditional model of like a boxing movie and trying to fit him into that mold, like it's not there. He's so unsympathetic. Like, Right off the bat, he's super combative, but not in a way that you, the audience, can root for. Like, yeah, he's going to try and persevere. He's like, Can't, give me my fucking steak. Like, just so out of pocket and aggressive. Mm-hmm. And it is almost impossible to imagine that the, he is as successful as this movie depicts. Yeah, I mean, I think right from the it. jump, right from the jump, I think you're probably like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to root for this person ever in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> True, I yeah. wrote him off very quickly. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy the dialogue in this movie and the exchanges and the acting, I think, are like the highlights of this movie where like it's just the banter back and forth, which seems sometimes almost nothing to do with boxing. It could be about pretty much everything that I sent you in the emojis beforehand, <laughs> whether it be a steak or a dog or a pool or a car or whatever. There just always seems to be a fascination or an argument around something that has nothing to do with the boxing element of this movie. And it just has everything to do with how much trouble he has communicating with human beings. <laughs> well, he does get punched in the head a lot. So that, that at least makes sense. quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's got a few loose, uh, synapses but yeah i mean i thought he was like de niro's performance is good even though he's playing an insufferable character um so that's a testament uh, to him i did find it really hard though to enjoy the performance because so much of this like you said johnny is the the combative and he's he's arguing he's arguing about a stake he's arguing about you know fixing the tv and stuff like that and while I can understand finding those lines funny because Pesci and De Niro bouncing off each other is inherently funny. I feel like I've seen it done better in other movies they've been in. Like, I feel like this isn't as good as the banter in a Goodfellas, where it's still that kind of quick, quippy Pesci and a... I'm going to repeat the thing you said. I'm repeating the thing. You're going to repeat the thing. I'm repeating the thing. You want to repeat the thing at me? I'm going to repeat the thing at you like that. We get a lot of that here. And I just feel like it's done better in those. So I don't know if that's a bias because I saw newer movies after this. And maybe those dialogue choices were taken from this movie. They were perfected in that other one. So watching this, I'm like, hey, it's not, it's just not as good. This isn't as good a back and forth as it is in a Goodfellas or as it is in something else that they've done together or that I've just seen Pesci in. So I like watching it. I don't, again, I don't know if it was the timing of it for me, but it just felt like lesser versions of better scenes featuring these two playing somewhat 
similar characters. Yeah, I I get that. I mean, for me, it's more or less like because I did the same thing. I watched the Goodfellas and the Casinos and other things before this movie, so I found those exchanges to be uh, funny in a sort of Genesis kind of rooted way where they were at the beginning of a relationship professionally as actors and being in scenes together and doing this type of riffing Mm -hmm. that you're right is refined in other possibly depending on your mileage or what you think better movies. I mean, for you, obviously you probably think Goodfellas (laughs) and Casino are better movies than this. Yeah. So I I understand what you're saying. For me, I find it kind of uh, like almost cute in a way, them kind of starting out (laughs) like the way they would sort of interact or whatever. But yeah, again, and it's whatever. It's completely subjective. I find that sort of like stupid shit, that back and forth banter. It's like, you fuck my wife. I didn't fuck my wife. You fuck my wife. I didn't fuck my wife. It's it's, it's situational comedy almost to me. That's like what I find to be funny because it's almost sitcom-y in nature, some of these things, Mm -hmm. in the backdrop of like just a very ugly, albite, like really well-made movie, like as as far as technically. Because I think there's a lot of good technical choices, and I think the editing in this movie is, is, is awesome, particularly he does this thing a lot where people are talking and there are sequences of motion going on in another part of the scene where it's slow motion, a car going by or legs being kicked in a water and there's dialogue. It's the movie's very dreamlike, which I like where again, Goodfellas casinos are so grounded in other crime movies where this feels very like almost like says he's throwing everything he knows that he learned at NYU film school, like (laughs) at the, at the board, like whether it's, real and visceral and raw or it's dreamlike and uh, hazy so there's a lot going on filmmaking wise but yeah as far as like a character study i mean it's really if you want someone to root for you just don't really have that here and then i understand you and then to boot the choreography being (laughs) not that great i understand it's a polarized movie. It was polarizing when it came out. I think later on it became, oh, it's a masterpiece, da-da-da-da, you got to see it, you know, for Robert De Niro. And I agree with a lot of that sentiment, but I also can see why it was polarizing from the get. And especially I could see it being even more polarizing coming in the wake of, you know, Rocky and the feel-good boxing movie, even though Rocky loses at the end he still like leaves the ring with Adrian and this ends with Jake drunk in a a parking garage. Yeah. I shook off by his brother, (laughs) like grim, grim, very grim. Yeah. I, I, but the thing is I always enjoyed when there are like pairs of movies that are like yin and yang to each other. Like you have the Rocky and you have this, and then you have, I don't know if you ever seen like a thin red line was what to Saving Private Ryan. Everyone enjoyed mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan in the same year. A very well received war movie came out called a Thin Red Line, but no one remembers it because it was a very solemn, dark, bleak, not a happy ending war movie about the psychological warfare that happens in someone's head, and not the boo 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 bullets and artillery and all the action and and, and Tom Hanks making the, you feel yeah, good. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so I think. This movie does that part of it to Rocky. It is that yang to the yang, if you will. 
and that's obviously you can't enjoy both. I mean, I like Rocky and I like this, but they're just so fucking different. And even like, you know, like you enjoyed the fighter, uh, Adam, and mm-hmm. I don't recall that having like like the best, brightest ending or whatever, but like it just almost throughout it's just a struggle to wanna root I mean, you can root for Wahlberg's character, but you can't it's hard to root for like Bale's character because he's such a fuck up and like there's just so many yeah. other like nasty people in that movie that it's not like that you know it's not I mean again I'm not I'm not trying to educate anyone here but I'm just saying like some movies you you just don't have someone really to root for and you're just kind of watching a horrible story not so much like horrible that it's a bad story to like watch or listen to but it just there's nothing inherently good about it <laughs> Well, that's kind of something that I was struggling with with this in particular is not just that he's like a not a great guy. So it's not able to root for him. Yeah. Or, you know, any of the other elements that I talked about not liking. It's I found myself and I think this partly saves it from like a hate because I don't hate the movie. There's a lot it has going for it. Like I said, performances are good, uh, but I really dislike it. And I think the thing that saves it from a hate is the fact that it is based on a true story because I'm like, well, all these things happen, so I can't really fault the movie for showing me this guy's life and all the things that took place in it. But what I found myself struggling with is why? Like, why did this guy get a book deal? Why did this guy get a movie based on his book? Like, why is Jake LaMotta a big, a big enough deal for the biopic treatment? Because the movie, I feel like, doesn't show me that it completely glosses over any of his boxing accolades, save for the one championship, which is fine. That's not what he wants to talk about. Martin wants to talk about the man behind the gloves, but I don't get a sense of why that's important. Like why this boxer over any other boxer that had any kind of internal struggle. And I'm sure Jake LaMotta isn't the only boxer that constantly thought his wife was fucking someone else and wanted to beat her up all the time. But like, why this guy? And that's the thing I don't ever get from this movie that I feel like I needed to have to make watching the slog of a terrible person doing terrible things more bearable. So I don't know if you if you know, Johnny, I because I, that's that's I think my biggest struggle is that he doesn't seem important enough or special enough for him to get a book deal and an adaptation out of it. Yeah, I think it's more or less showcasing someone that brushed up against people that you are familiar with, like the Sugar Ray Robinsons. Another thing, it's just like an untold story about someone who brushed up against it. Whether that person is has redeemable qualities or not, there are elements that, again, at least depending on what, what you're interested in, you know, he's a boxer that brushed up against uh, the mob and you know he wasn't like maybe the poster boy boxers like you know we there's this he always fights this one guy this pretty boy guy and these other guys and these other boxers in the movie that are those idealistic sports illustrated boxers and you have this guy who is basically just lost to history because he's just such a despicable person and but I guess in this case, it's decided that, yeah, let's tell this story because of all of that. And then, you know, I'm sure there is an element of I hate to admit it, but there's probably an element of this. It's like, hey, this would probably be pretty good Oscar bait. Someone's going to kill yeah. this performance. 
let's see who's interested in doing this because this person's a fucking maniac. And again, I think you might be coming at a time where a lot of people are starting to come up, trying to figure out new ideas for movies and new ways to uh, captivate an audience where they have seen so many of these Cinderella stories and these beautiful stories and these happy endings. And you come at a time in the 70s and 80s where you have these bleaker movies that have bleaker endings. And this is just, I think, falls in line with those movies, whether you have any sort of happiness to find it or not. Yeah, I do get the sense that De Niro read the memoir. And I don't know if it was like a big book deal or like just sort of like stumbled across this guy's sort of musings and did sort of say to himself, what a psycho. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what like what a what a maniac. Um, but Jake was a consultant on the film as well. Like he like talked to De Niro and Scorsese. Um uh Vicky, the real life Vicky was as well. And apparently after the film premiered and like Jake saw it in full, he like called Vicky and they had been divorced for years at this point, but called her and was like was I really that much of a son of a bitch? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I left for. Yeah, <laughs> dude, you were. Well, thank you, big guy. Could have used the introspection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think I love all the, the more dreamlike elements of the movie when we're following Vicky and every time she's in the shot, it's in slow motion. It cuts back to Jake and we're back to normal speed. All of those sort of elements that feel much more surreal and like the the fist in that last fight, like so I ominous. Really hard at that. <laughs> oh my gosh. But there's even there's a I've noted there was a shot in the first fight, like where he wins and the announcement comes and the mic it's Initially, like the shot starts as just pure blackness, and then the mic appears like from mm. the heavens, and then it, you follow it drop down into the ring, and it's like the voice of God, like being like, "This is it. Now you shall have like the universe kind of thing." And I wanted more of that. And in some ways, you know, when we had these sort of more grounded, the conversations between Jake and Joey the fights in the restaurant. I wanted to go back into the surreal world a little bit. Like I wanted, I'm like, eh, I can't. Okay. They're fighting. <laughs> I, I let's get a little weird. <laughs> let's get weird again. <laughs> but I did like when he's taking Vicky through the house and that sort of seduction, like, in the kitchen, <laughs> yeah. move to this chair. No, move to this lap. Move, like, come, would you like a tour? There's a bird in there. Yeah, there, there was a bird in there, yeah. There was a bird in there. But I think the actress's name is Catherine Moriarty. Who Kathy portrays... Moriarty, yep. Yeah. She's, she's stunning looking. And she makes the movie feel like it came out in like 1941 she just seems like she was snatched out of that time period and then just dropped in the black and white helps her very much not that she wouldn't be gorgeous right. in color 
but it mm-hmm. does give you that old Hollywood ethereal kind of look to her, mm-hmm. which I think plays really well for a movie that's set in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I think she's only the only blonde in this movie, too, which also helps. Mm. She just like pops. Yeah. No, and the movie feels like a pre-code gangster film as well. That's yeah. all I could think of at the beginning, too. Of like the pacing and the cuts and the the feel of it, which I enjoyed, but your mileage may vary. <laughs> See, I couldn't I couldn't get on board with the tour or any of the other stuff because the whole time I'm just like, she's 15, dude. Come on, I'm watching these dudes who are nearing 40, or in the case of uh, like Sylvie or whatever, uh, Salvi, like that dude's 60 in this movie. I mean, he's. You know, he's he's been 80 forever as far as I've seen. Right. Vincent. Um, but I'm like, yo, am I supposed to really be like, oh, look at the seduction happening with this child. Ooh, like, <laughs> and I know different time and all that. And that's, you know, you find the, the pretty neighborhood girl and everybody goes after the pretty neighborhood girl. But I was like, I can't. I can't focus on anything else because I'm just like, is nobody going to say anything? This dude is married. And he's trying to sleep with his 15-year-old. <laughs> no. I'm glad the movie finally addresses it, but it's almost like a little too late when they're, like, attempting to be with underage girls is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's – I'm glad they finally do it, but, yeah, it's like, oh, you, now you're going to bring it up that this was just a whole thing? But, again, it was yeah. wrong well, back then. Gonna... wrong. It was wrong to yeah. do it back then. It's just whatever. People batted an eye or whatever, but – well, I think it was just that the movie spent so much time focusing on that when, like, this isn't a love story. I don't necessarily need to see how they got together. I really don't even need to see him fighting with the first wife because that those scenes are exactly the same as the fights he has with Vicky. You could have just introduced Vicky in the montage of, hey, here's this girl. They meet. They fall in love. It's a whirlwind romance, whatever, because I don't even think anything happens in the period before that montage that is of consequence or a conflict point it's just am i gonna fuck you oh i can't i'm a boxer i got a box tomorrow oh you took my pants off and i all right i guess i'll fuck you we're moving on like i didn't i don't know those elements didn't seem to tie into the greater story so they didn't feel necessary but they worked to take me out of the movie whereas if they just introduced this new love interest in the montage and then he was still smacking around or whatever at the end. I wouldn't have thought twice about it because I wouldn't have known. But introducing the underage girl element to it and then kind of just breezing past it was like, no, 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 wait, hold on. That just happened. Let's let's take this for a second here. Not that I need some big grandstanding show of it. I just think don't introduce that element of the story when you're already picking and choosing what elements of this guy's real life you're going to include in this movie, you can gloss over that part of it and yeah. maybe bring around the arrest at the end and be like, oh, wow, he's fucking underage girls. That's fucked up. You know, like you can still introduce that element of it so no one says, like, guys, you didn't talk at all about Jake LaMotta's trying to have sex with teenagers. Right. Yeah, I would imagine the reasoning for that whole lead up to him bringing her over into the bedroom, the whole thing is. His mind is going there, and then ultimately he cares more about boxing than he does about the sex, and which ultimately hinders his relationship later on with this whole thing because his sex life is bad, and 
it's almost he can't decide what is more important, like his wife or the boxing. He ends up pretty much fucking up both because he just can't decide where to sort of focus his attention. But I think that scene like is important because it leads all the way up. And then you'd think he would just like have sex with her or whatever right there. And then, and he's like, no, I'm going to go pour fucking ice on my shit and fucking, you know, that's more important to me right now. So it's a battle that he has the whole movie. I do love as he's closing the door. He's like, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Like, uh, no, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need this to see the seduction of Vicky. Cause you need, I think you need to have a sense of why she might stick around or like, what's the X factor that is keeping these two people who are making each other profoundly unhappy. What's, what's making them stick it out kind of thing. And I think you need to have him echo his behavior in the seduction scene in the scene where he convinces her to stay when they're in the bedroom and she's like slowly packing her shit and he's very quiet and like very soft and very gentle. And I still got it. I didn't mean to kind of thing. Whether he can keep that up is a whole separate issue. I know it's weird. Sometimes she's in control. Sometimes he is. Sometimes like the whole conversation in the hotel about her having a cheeseburger is fucking great. (laughs) It's like, I want a cake. You want a cheeseburger? Yeah. I'm like a a whole meal. It's like you forced her to have a cheeseburger? No, I'm suggesting she has a cheeseburger. I want the cheeseburger. Give her the cheeseburger. Get her whatever she wants. <laughs> I, I find that shit so funny. You know, my favorite scene in the movie, though, and I, I will watch, I could watch this scene all day, is Joe Pesci going fucking bananas on Frank Vincent in the Copa Oh, oh yeah. Because when he sees, and like, good on him, because he was supposed to keep an eye on Vicky. She's out here with the, you know, the gangsters who she's she's been with before. That was not new to anybody. But her showing up with them as a double date thing and then him just going ham. Like he's yelling at in front of everybody. He's throwing drinks. And when he finally cracks Salvi with that glass right across the face to really start the melee, I was like, oh, yeah, it's on. Here we go. Like I felt that hit. That's a good hit. Where were you? Where was that earlier, Joe Pesci? Uh, and then by the time he gets him outside, and of course he's you know jumping on him with his you know his tiny frame, <laughs> and then gets him in the taxi cab door and it's just wailing away on it. That was that was my favorite scene in the whole movie. I love when it cuts back to in the car and Vicky and the other girl are like <laughs> towering, like door. oh yeah, he's just reaching inside, like give me something. Help me! This tiny man is beating the shit out of me. <laughs> Joe Pesci is excellent in this. You know, we've talked a lot about De Niro, but I love Pesci's performance. It's great. I think he's he's better than De Niro in this specifically. I mean, he's great because he's he actually has some charisma. He is a nice guy. Like he's he he has some little bit of morality in him a little bit, but he plays against the volatile, explosive people that he does in Casino and Goodfellas, where he's just he is the Jake LaMotta. Like, he is that person. So 
it's refreshing to see him be the voice of reason in a room and not the one like pulling out a gun, shooting at people in the foot. Yeah. And I think his character is just slightly more compelling because in some ways you know that Jake is out of control. His unpredictability becomes predictable. And it's nice to sort of, you're actually seeing Joey's wheels turn of like, okay, how, what am I going to do about this? I mean, he what am is, I going to say to him? Right. And um, you need him because he's asking all the questions the audience is asking. It's like, well, what the fuck? Stop eating so much. Go fuck, go fuck your girlfriends. Why are you so fucking heavy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to punch you in the face. Your fucking wounds are opening up. Like, of course they are. You know, it's just. I'm not going to punch you. Yeah. I can't see the TV through your gut. <laughs> yeah. See, I think the movie would have made so much more sense, at least to me. Like, I feel like I would have been more engaged with it if Joe Pesci, if Joey was the main character. Because I feel like Joey is the one that's really torn between the two worlds, the way that the movie wants me to think that Jake is. Like, they want me to think that Jake is torn between his integrity for boxing and the mob and success. Whereas I feel like, Joey is torn between the mob guys who are the neighborhood guys or his friends, but they've got connections and they want him to be here with a leg up and his family and doing right by Jake and doing all this. Like every scene with Joey is when I was most engaged in the movie because he's the character worth following. He's the, he's got the charisma. He's got the conflict. He's got good elements to him he's got bad elements to him like he is everything that i wish that jake was and maybe that's part of it like maybe that's just part of the movie's charm is you want me to care about joey and not about jake but from a movie watching standpoint like that's the memoir i want to read i want to read joey's take on all this his interactions with the mob which seemingly are plentiful off screen and his conversations with jake and how that all plays together so I, I think Joe Pesci is the best character in this movie, both from an acting standpoint and from a enjoyment of what I'm seeing take place. Like watching him do the slow walk away at the end with just that sad, oh my God, it's this fucking guy again. Like he's gonna, I'm done with this schmuck, you know, kind of vibe to it. That face is heartbreaking to watch. Cause like, you know that he's like, I want to be with my brother, but also like, Fuck that guy. He beat me up in front of my kids and punched off my sister-in-law and she landed on top of me. Like, absolutely not. So I, I think Joe Pesci was the, the best of this movie. I get why you would want to, like, cling to someone that has a little more uh, going on, like Joey's character. Yeah, I mean, but, like, even if Jake, like I said, had a personality, I feel like I could – I need something to continue even caring a little bit what happens. And I would – I did actually like the breakdown of the jail cell from a character standpoint. It was too far. I was too far gone with the movie for it to do anything for me. But sure. I wanted to see more moments of that because to me, while the performance is good, it is literally just Jake yelling for two straight hours for the most part. Like, and every fight didn't feel different enough from any other macho alpha. 40s, 50s, 60s era, tough Italian guy in any movie I've ever seen. Because every one of those characters is, oh, I'll apologize and you'll stay, but then I'm going to knock you out, but then I'm going to apologize and you'll stay. 
but hey, don't look at me or I'm going to punch you real good. Oh, who are you talking to? You're not talking to me. I feel like I've seen that character a million times throughout cinema history. So this didn't feel any different than that. And again, I think that's just the when I'm watching the movie now versus having seen other movies. So I don't even get the enjoyment out of like, wow, I love the animalistic nature of him or the dichotomy of the, his, you know, his whole thing, because I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, he's just yelling, bring me that fucking steak or I'm going to, you know, clock you. He's just, he's one angry step past Ralph Prandon. I'm going to sock you to the moon, you know? Like, yeah. I've seen domestic, angry Italian domestic abuser character a lot. And this didn't have enough variety to that. Whereas the boxing I thought would be that variety. And then we didn't even get good versions of that. So it, it had so much that it was trying to juggle. And I think it ended up dropping most of the balls uh, as a result. Like it was close. Like there's just like one or two things go a different way. And I'm, I'm loving this movie. Uh, so it's hard because it's like, oh, yeah, that was that was good. I just needed something else or that was great. I just needed more of that. And I, so there was a lot of a lot of potential for me here that ended up falling by the wayside. I get what you're saying. I think the story is not compelling to me. I don't care about the story per se. His journey almost doesn't even really have a sort of typical three-act structure it's just because it's just he's a miserable fuck he is good at boxing and then throws a fight and it becomes a little redundant and repetitive and then we sort of crash land in miami where he's fat and getting arrested for kissing underage people and so i get all of that i think my admiration from this movie comes from its individual showcases of acting and technicality and things of that nature where I don't really mind that they don't all kind of come together in like a big cohesive movie. And it's not like a scattershot as I'm trying to make it sound like, but I enjoy ind individual elements of this movie more than I do like the story, which I think a lot of people, I think most people gravitate towards the story of a movie first, foremost, than anything else where I think my experience of of movies and watching movies has led me to look at the other corners of that space and admire the things that I think maybe go unnoticed sometimes. Where I mean, not to not to say that we talk about this, but most people who talk about say like the Oscars, who won Best Actor, who won Best Picture, like that's the conversation. It's done. Where I'm like. Who won Best Cinematographer? Who won Best Editor? <laughs> like, I'm the one nerding out over the small things of movies. So from that point, like, I enjoy, like, Thelma Schumacher's editing in this. I enjoy the sound mixing despite the, the sound effects they use. <laughs> uh, I love them. Uh, I just want to be clear. But yeah. But see. there's some just really interesting editing choices going on in cinematography and the dream elements and yeah it does sort of clash with it's sort of like straightforward raw like domestic violence areas of this movie but in those moments i really like what i'm feeling when i'm watching this movie like i enjoy seeing those things and it's and they're they're nailing that aspect of it so that's 
why I <laughs> I particularly enjoy this movie, but you're making all good valid points, Adam. The guy sucks. I don't care for him. <laughs> the story pretty much sucks. The fucking boxing. <laughs> Listen, the story sucks. I don't really care about the story. Like, I just, I enjoy individual scenes and elements of this movie. Like, I enjoy this episodically than I do ABC. You know, I enjoy elements of this. So I completely understand where you're reaching for a more cohesive movie where this is maybe not it. Yeah, fair. But I, another thing that I do like about it, I know you mentioned I've seen this, I've seen that. I mean, I would I would argue that a lot of things you are talking about predate the things that you talk about. Like I've seen it better done in this or I've seen it better done than that or I've seen it refined better. So I enjoy seeing someone – again, Scorsese is maybe 10 years into his career at this point, maybe five years. It's fascinating to see what he was doing then with the people he was doing it then with and the people that stuck around with him later on in movies, the trademarks he stuck around. Like there's a really cool tracking shot from a fucking locker room all the way into the arena. That's really cool. in this, which is very reminiscent of stuff that he does later on where, you know, Henry Hill and, uh, you know, his wife go into the Copacabana or whatever is in Goodfellas or whatever else. So I like seeing the Genesis of some of these ideas in this movie come to life better than others but yeah i again i i enjoy this movie for certain things but as far as caring about the character or the story and this the, the boxing choreography yeah they're not they're not great oh another particularly good moment i, I liked even though it's it's in a really tough moment of the film is when he goes and starts when jake goes and starts the argument with vicky about like who did you fuck? Do you fuck my brother? Did you fuck all the mob guys? And she locks herself in the bathroom, and he just fucking destroys the entire inner structure of oh, that yeah. door, and it like explodes out of the frame. The hinges are still there, the knob is still there, but that entire center section just explodes out, and he just steps on through. And I was like, damn, he just fucked that door up. Everyone's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like open up the door. No, open yeah. up the door. <laughs> it really it is like bomb squad. Like mm-hmm. just the center panel explodes. Mm-hmm. Because like normally you see it like The Shining, where like just a panel will come out, or just like a sliver will come out, mm-hmm. or you'll see you the push door... the door off the hinges. Yeah, or the door jam starts to crack. Like you start to see that wood splintering. This is like, no, controlled demolition, guy around the corner, fingers in his ears with a TNT box, and then boom, center structure of the uh, of the thing blows open. Yeah. It's like a bank robbery. Like, oh, we just blew the safe. <laughs> <laughs> but that scene is just very tense, because I was like, I am going to watch this woman get murdered. Yeah. She's going to be murdered right now. In front of my eyes. Yeah, the whole sequence is wild from them talking at the TV and then mm-hmm. he leaves. He goes upstairs, interrogates her, bomb squads the door, then goes down 
He's and, you got Joe, and then you got Joe Pesci talking about like I'm gonna stab you if you don't eat the rest of your meatball <laughs> to the kid. Yeah, don't yeah quit touching the plate. plate. Yeah, don't quit touching the plate. plate. I'm gonna stab you with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just when you think Joe Pesci's character is like redeemable in any way, he goes, "I'm gonna stab your son. I'm gonna stab my son with a knife." And then he comes in like a fucking bull, like everything. literally a bull in a china shop, and fucking yeah. a raging bull in a china. A shop. raging bull in a china shop. Yeah. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also like Vicky running after him and being like, "I sucked his cock and it was bigger than yours." Oh, like, I love it. So like mayhem, like when she chases him down the street and she's like, "No, no, no! I want to fight more!" And so he throws her to the ground and she's like, "Get off of me!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, if, all if you had to do was stay home. Let him go fight uh, Joey. Just you, you came out on the street pulling his hair. He threw you to the ground. What do you expect? Yeah, like, if you ever thought, like, when she was going to get fucking murdered, it was in that bathroom when she was like, well, yeah, I fucked him, I sucked your brother's cock, like, all this shit, and he's like, you did what? And it's like, oh, dude, what? Do you know who you're saying that to? This guy's going to fucking kill you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Bad, bad, bad things to say to this person. This person will kill you. Well, I assume I know the answer here. I just want to get your guys' take on it. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen this happen, you know, both ways in movies before. Do you think that she really sucked his dick or was she just saying anything to get a rise out of him because she was she's like, what, you're a piece of shit. I'm going to fucking tell you the worst thing you could possibly hear. Yeah, I think she's just saying she's getting a rise. I think she was completely faithful and all that other shit. You know, I think she just when he's off boxing, whatever, she wants to have fun. She doesn't want to fucking feel like, oh, because I'm out doing this, whatever. I have to stay home and like I can't have any fun. Like she's just trying to go out and have fun. Hmm. She's not trying to go fuck guys or anything. She just wants to have a drink, but this guy is just insanely jealous and just things just fester in his head that he's fucking everyone. See, the way I read it was not even that she was cheating, but that she had done all those things before they got together. Mm. And that would still get the rise out of him because like Joey admits they went on a couple of dates, but they didn't sleep together. Mm -hmm. But I didn't sleep with her. I didn't fuck her. Doesn't like doesn't exclude you know get mouth stuff <laughs> so i'd like right. when i when i heard him i was like wait did she cheat did all this happen before and she's been like cuz she's like she's she said past tense for each of them and was like yeah i fucked your brother i fucked salvi i fucked tommy like i i, I did it all I sucked your brother's dick like whatever in my head i was like was that before they got together and now she's just being like you ain't you ain't the first like I everybody from the neighborhood I got them all like count them up like look at all the notches on my bedpost uh, not so much yeah. I cheated or I'm actively having affairs right now but I wasn't sure how that would necessarily play with everybody else if that was a uh, oh she's just doing that to to anger him because she knows that's the only way that's the only power she has in an argument is to just make him very upset which backfires spectacularly. Anytime you try that. <laughs> right, yeah. I just read it as getting a rise out of him, and that was her last card in the deck as far as pissing him off that, mm-hmm. like, that's what you got. I mean, if the guy is super jealous about, like, guys kissing you on the cheek and on the lips or whatever when they come and hang around, just feed him the fact that I sucked their dick before I knew you or whatever, or when you were gone out fighting. That'll fucking get you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, there's like an element too of like when she says it is in the scene, they're in the bathroom together and like 
He's shaking her. He's like got her by the hair, pushing her head up against the tile. It's a little bit like Guantanamo Bay of like, what do you want me to say right now? Do you want me to say I sucked your brothers? Like, what do you like? What do you want from me? Just quit hitting me. You know, not yeah, even she'll like say a, anything like, to get yeah to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Not even like a deliberate. I'm trying to get a rise out of you, but I'm just I'm trying to get loose of you. I'm trying to get away from you. And then it becomes a method of like, this is how I'm going to be able to disengage and get out of this relationship. Though she doesn't right, or leave she's just yet. she's also just basically mentally breaking down and saying things recklessly at this point, not really thinking about. What would happen? What would happen to poor Joey? Yeah. Just trying to keep his kid, teach him how to use a fork. Right. But I always, uh, yeah, I, I always enjoyed the element was the way that Scorsese was trying to showcase the jealousy that he has, the immense jealousy he has. Like when she's in the club going around kissing guys or whatever and the way it's shot. And he's so hyper focused on that, like the kisses, and when the guy comes up and like introduces himself or says hi to uh, Jake, and the way Jake like shakes his hand, he just grabs it daintily, look at his fingers. Like I always laugh at that. He's doing the laziest, the least thing he can do to embrace someone's hand, like in a conversation. But it's the most disrespect he's allowing himself to give a mob boss. Yeah, it's just like, listen, I don't want any part of you, whatever fucking thing you got going on. But if I don't shake your hand, I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to get shot. So, yeah, limp wrist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's another sort of domestic scene, which is the one when they're in the kitchen and they're talking about the fight where he's got to get down to 155. And oh, yeah. Vicky makes the comment like after Joey explains like it'll be good if you don't make it because you'll get more fights if you win they'll have to give you more fights blah 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 and she's like yeah it'll be good for you to fight someone like good looking and young he's like what do you mean good looking and he's like get the fuck out of here with the baby (laughs) (laughs) and Joey's wife is also with them and I forget what she says and that leads Joey to be like get the baby out of here who asked you yeah, it doesn't concern you. Talk to get my out, baby. Brother and wife. You and the baby get out of here. I know, even when people agree with him and tell him everything's okay, he's like, you know what? You think everything's okay? Get the baby out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like three really good scenes in this movie that all happen in kitchens. <laughs> I mean, that's just when the apartment is so small. <laughs> that's all you got. Yeah, you're, you're, limited, you're doing everything in the kitchen. Yeah, you're limited on the rooms you can have great scenes in. <laughs> Those early 1940s apartments. Now, Adam, I know you said you didn't really care about really about any of the fights, but was there anything in particular that was was memorable? I mean, obviously you have the one where he beats up the pretty boy. You have one at the end where Shigeru Robinson basically just beats the absolute piss out of him. And he's like, you never got me down. Right, you never got me down. Yeah, I mean, that one obviously is, is memorable and notable for the absolute insane amount of blood splatter. Uh, in it, like when they get it all over the judges and everyone's like, whoa, covered in, you know, covered in blood or whatever. But I do like when he fights, uh, Gennaro, the pretty boy, where he gives him a good cut above his eye and it like, it shoots a good, like two, three foot, like arc away from his face. Right. Uh, and that was the first time where they really showed 
any kind of over-the-top blood splatter, whereas everything else was like, okay, you got a cut on your face the way a boxer gets a cut, but nothing gushing. Nothing is projectile shooting plasma out in every direction, uh, I think, until that fight. And I was like, okay, that's... You're all right now. You're getting a little weirder with it. All right, this is this is at least taking me away from the the lack of contact in the punches. So now I'm noticing that, which is good because before I was noticing only the bad thing. Right. What were some of the other sort of uh, laugh out loud moments? I always I always snigger pretty good when uh, he calls his Joey and doesn't say anything in the phone booth, and what Joey says about. Sucking big fat elephant dicks always makes me laugh pretty good. I had hoped in that moment he'd, you know, that he would have said something like some kind of little joke. And I'm like, well, I guess right. your mom sucks big fat elephant dick, Joe. You know, and then just like hung up. You know, it's like mm-hmm. something, a little glimmer of, oh, maybe they'll mend this fence. And then he says nothing. And I was like, okay, you know, Joe got another, he got one last good Joe Pesci style uh, dialogue scene. Right. But I think that was really it. I, I think because I, this movie lost me so early on that even the stuff I feel like I would have found funny. Cause I do like the, the kind of quippy stuff that you, that you talked about that you really enjoyed in this. I think because the movie lost me so early, I didn't almost have the energy to chuckle sure. or do anything at that. I'm like, okay, that's that. Yeah. Okay. That's I've seen dialogue like this and always oh, repeating the same word back and forth. Like that's kind of funny, but it, you're not going to give me anything I like after this, so I, I, it's hard to get invested again. <laughs> so I think that kind of damaged other parts I would have liked more because I I was not on the movie's wavelength. Got it. From a very early, a very early point. Yeah, for me, it's like you know Robert Nero and Joe Pesci are like burnt Ernie for me. Like I yeah, <laughs> like they no matter you put them together, like I'm going to find something to laugh at because I just think inherently they just they're they're buddies for life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I find that so funny. They're familiar to me. They're like family. Cause I've seen them in so many things. I've watched it so many times. I've seen good fellow uh, dozens and dozens of times. So when I see something like this, it's like watching home movies of like two people that I know. Yeah. And it's, I find that funny regardless of the context, like early on about, you know, uh, the fight, you know, take off the, 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 uh, the bandage or whatever, the handkerchief so I can hit you. All that stuff is good to me. I, I, I like watching what seems, even if it's two characters, like one character who's just horrible or two characters who are really horrible, that you can tell that like their buds like off state, like off screen. Like I enjoy that element of that. I will say the one other scene, though, that I did laugh out loud, and it's not appropriate to have done so. Um, but when the la- <laughs> when None the of it is, gets, by the way, Adam. But <laughs> When the lady gets trampled at the Cleveland match, oh. uh, I laughed pretty hard at that. Because, oh, like, yeah. okay, oh, he, you know, he might have won that. He did knock the dude down, but, hey, I guess the other rounds went to, went to Cleveland guy first. And, oh, no, there's a riot. Oh, no, that woman. <laughs> yeah, I always laugh pretty good in the beginning when, like, that first sort of riot breaks out at the first mm-hmm. fight that we see and someone like spectacularly goes over the ropes like mm-hmm. into the yes. crowd like they were just launched out of a catapult it just looks so awesome yeah that was great and completely predates like we'll probably land squarely right around where pro wrestling is like taking mm-hmm. off and becoming popular it's like scorsese must have watched like a match and he goes let's do that shit that looks like fun 
Oh, I mean, wrestling's been around like that since the 40s. So, like, that would have been taking place back then, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you probably grew up with it on Saturday morning TV. So, where do you guys think this kind of, like, falls in the pantheon of Scorsese movies for you? I mean, do you anticipate ever sort of ever revisiting this, scenes of this, memorable, memorable takeaways? What, it, what are you thinking with this one? I mean, I'll go first just because I think mine will be quicker. <laughs> <laughs> it's enough. Uh, uh, it's, <laughs> it's at the bottom of the Scorsese movies that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, though I haven't seen some of the other ones that people dislike. Like I, Shutter Island wasn't one people fawned over. You know, so I haven't seen any of what the quote unquote lesser Scorsese movies are. So this one goes at the bottom for me personally. I think it would take a lot for me to watch it again. I don't know that I could be drawn in by just like watching it with you, Johnny, to see like the parts that you really enjoy and like getting into it from that point. Uh, I think I might, I might hold a little bit of a grudge for a little bit uh, with the movie, not with, not with you. <laughs> no, um, it, it, and quite honestly, I don't mean to interject, but I would say that I, this is a movie that I almost particularly enjoy watching like alone or maybe just with mm -hmm. one other person. Like I don't, this is never like a group watch for me. This is never like, hey, guys, let's tr put on Raging Bull. This is more like I'm in a mood. Hey guys, I want to watch Raging Bull. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, are you feeling too good right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to feel like you shit? You got two hours? Yeah. yeah. You want to get battered for two hours? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, I mean, in, in that regard, uh, I guess that's good that I won't have to worry about, oh, I'm going to hang out at Johnny's. I hope he doesn't make me watch Raging Bull. <laughs> oh, no, that won't happen. Trust the me. The way that. The way that some of Bridget's friends were trepidatious about going over and being shown the fly, but... Listen, uh, said she might watch it now. Okay. Because we talked about it so much. Okay. I'll have to text her and be like, you were right, don't do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I think I, I'm not ready to have uh, a Joey Salvi handshake, we're all good, let's put bygones be bygones uh, kind of moment with the movie. So I, it's it'll it'll take, I think, a lot for me to give it another chance or to even if someone's like, no, you're looking at it wrong. You gotta look at it this way. Like there's a lot that I like about it, but there's just some fundamental stuff I can't get on board with. And as a result, it just, it's, it's going to be a no for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's understood. Bridget. I did say, as this was wrapping up, I watched it with Brian and he was like, what did you think? I'm like, it's good. I probably wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't go back to it necessarily the way I go back to Goodfellas and Casino and some others, but I do rank it pretty highly. Like I would say I rate it, you know, higher than Adam at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, and I think it's, it's a worthwhile movie to see. If you're, you know, interested in seeing some of that early Scorsese, part of his like toxic masculinity oeuvre, if you right. will. Sure. And to see him really flex at a time when he like thought, I won't ever get an opportunity to do this again. So I'm, I'm going to do it all the way that I want to. And so in that respect, it's a really, you can tell it's a really personal movie, even though, you know, you could watch a movie like Shutter Island and 
you know, that has, I think, more broad appeal just as like a, a narrative. But I think you get a lot more, a better understanding of like Scorsese as a person and as a filmmaker when you watch Raging Bull, which puts his later work into a good context. Yeah. I mean, I would even almost say that this doesn't even fall in my top five Scorsese movies. It's definitely my top 10 somewhere, but I would say that, yeah, I mean, it's admirable in a way, like you said, Bridget, to see sort of the, what he was doing early on in his career. You know, it's almost like, you know, you thought you saw the earliest picture of mom and dad as a couple. And it's like, oh, no, no, we, oh, we found this older album when we were younger. It's like, oh, I want, I want to see it. I want to see it, despite how hideous it may be. Yeah, like, mom, why is your hair like that? Yeah, so, I mean, if it's there's an inherent interest for me because I adore his filmography so much that I always seek out and other directors and other filmmakers their other stuff, their older stuff. And this is not, I mean, you have... Taxi Driver and other movies that predate this one, but yeah, I all valid points from all you guys. It's a polarizing movie. I didn't expect either one of you to sort of walk away loving it. I knew at least one of you was not going to like it. <laughs> um, but yep. Uh, um, but I would say that it's nice that showcasing other movies where it's not just like a rinse and repeat mob movie it's there's something a little different here going on than the casino and the goodfellas and the departed it's you know for better or worse he was attempting to do something here that was a little different there are different boxing movies sports movie whatever and i think there's a handful of great performances in it and a lot of good technical things i like about it i don't like watching it a lot i don't think it's worth doing that <laughs> um but for me, at least, it's it's nice to sort of revisit every now and again because it is, for me, kind of like an old photo album of someone that I adore, mm. if I had to put it in the most simplest terms. But, yeah. Makes sense. All right, Adam, why don't you take it away? Cool. All right. Well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of the movie Raging Bull, what you think of Martin Scorsese's movies, what your favorite Robert De Niro movies are, what's your favorite De Niro Pesci team-up, your favorite De Niro Scorsese team-up. Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Johnny. I'm Bridget. And thanks so much for listening.